Welcome to Screen Therapy. I'm your host, Jason Schurz. In October of 2018, I found myself in the hospital, sitting across from a psychiatrist who was telling me I had bipolar. I was sent home with a bunch of medication and laid on the couch for a week. I had my iTunes library on shuffle, trying to shake the hornet's nest from my head. Ever since I was a kid, I've been using loud music as a form of therapy. Punk rock and mental health have always been connected. This podcast looks at that connection through the lens of different guests. This is Screen Therapy. I was researching for this Scream Therapy book and came across a therapist in Houston, Texas named Blythe Two Sisters. She calls herself the Punk Rock Psych Doc, and given the subjects I cover on this podcast and in my book, I was intrigued. Blythe's history with punk comes from being a member of the Houston scene. As a teen, she was a parental figure among her punk friends and a photographer at shows. She now uses her gifts of empathy and nurturing to provide therapy to clients looking for strategies outside of the traditional mental health system. Her self-empowering punk rock approach to recognizing warning signs and supporting people at various levels of suicidal ideation show how much she cares about her clients. Blythe encourages marginalized folks to come to her for therapy. She's helped queer, trans, poly, kink, and sex workers in her practice. She creates an open-door, welcoming environment with her big smile and purple mohawk. I've said this before about other guests on the podcast. I wish the world had more mental health practitioners who knew how to give us all the care we deserve. Let's get a punk-friendly therapist like Blythe Two Sisters in every city, every town, everywhere. In the meantime, if you're in Houston, you know who to call. So why do you call yourself the punk rock psych doc? Because I want people to come to me and know that I will see them as they are. And I know that identifying as someone punk, when I was calling myself punk rock psych doc, I'm talking to the person who wants to be seen and not afraid of being seen. So in the therapy world, a lot of people will not disclose that they're poly, they're into kink, that they're queer because they're afraid of being judged or even their substance use. And I'm like, come as you are, right? If it's important to you, it's important to me. If it's not important to you, then it's not important to me. It could also be therapeutic, but I'm going to just keep that in, in the sub notes for myself. But when I started calling myself a punk rock psych dog, I have a purple mohawk. 
I always wanted a mohawk when I was a kid and I had a mohawk for a little bit, but my hair was really long, whatever. And so when I shaved my head two years ago, I started growing it back as a mohawk and that feels really good. That feels who I am. And it sends a, a beacon out the most extreme way that I could get someone to know that they could be who they want to be was to just call myself the punk rock psych doc because I'm so far removed from your average therapeutic environment. We still get to work. We still pump it out in therapy and we're busy and we're making changes, but we're not going to do it like going, oh, so how does that make you feel? That's come out of my mouth a few times and I'm like, because it's an authentic thing to say, but I wanted people to know that I'm your doctor. You're worried about X, Y, and Z. I'm your doctor. I don't give a fuck. We're going to cuss a lot. You can look how you want. You can dress how you want. I've even had people come in and tell me that they're a sex worker. Okay. How's that working for you? Do you feel safe? Are you secure? Are you triggered? Are you making good money? Like, I just don't care. If people are afraid of therapists who are more stuffy, is that a barrier that impedes folks? This idea, I need help. I need help. I got to go to therapy. But... Yeah, I think that there's a couple of barriers. There's the administrative component, finding someone who's available because there's a shortage and then you get on a wait list and you're there forever, or then you're have to do all the paperwork or figure out if your insurance covers it, or can you put it in your budget? There's just a lot that happens outside of just doing therapy, you know, and then the fear of what if this person doesn't get me or, or what if I run into them at Target? less of a problem in Houston because we're a huge town, although I still run into my patients at Target, but it's still like, where am I going to see this person? And what if they know all these things about me? How do you assess when someone needs a medical evaluation? When I hear that they've gone and they've exhausted everything or they're too fucked up, I'm like, this is the perfect time for meds. You know, and I tell people meds are not forever. They could be, but they also could not be. So let's just look at utilizing all our resources because if they've meditated and journaled and they're going to therapy and they have better boundaries and they still can't cope well, then why wouldn't we have meds? And so then I hopefully get them connected with someone who can help them. Yeah, these are the meds that are safe, safer. Nothing is safe, but what is you know more indicated for your symptoms? I just tell people, I'm not gonna tell you to take meds but let's talk about it. We're going to talk about supplements. We're going to talk about what you put in your body. Or what are you eating? Are you moving your body? So I talk about the nervous system, like trying to buy more time in the nervous system. And there's a hundred different ways to do that. And we're just going to go through all of them, especially if they're like, I don't want meds. Do you see stigma around meds in the punk scene? The same as they are in mainstream society? I think it's across the board. Because I think mental illness is a problem across the board, right? The stigma. So we can't see it. Therefore, you could shake it out of you. Why don't you just calm down or get it together? Or just shake it off. Generalized anxiety or PTSD or depression, not my mood is sad, but those are medical problems. But because they're mental illness and we can't see it, just like chronic pain, why can't you just turn the lights on brighter, go outside for a walk and feel better? they were that easy, we'd all be better now. How do you distinguish between someone who's needing some counseling, some help, and someone who needs help help? I think it's coping and behaviors. So I'm looking for how are they managing this? What are they doing? Are they acting out? Are they 
doing the things that they have agreed to do, right? Like we'll come up with things that would be helpful and then they show up the next time or two and they're like, well, I didn't do any of that, you know? And then they usually have some shame and I'm like, okay, so you didn't journal 32 times. Let's find something else to do. When they aren't coping well and they're not doing the things that they want to do to get better, then I'm like, well, we might need to get some other things on board. And so I look for behaviors and coping. And at what point do you become very concerned about them? When they tell me they want to run away, that's a pretty strong one in the, I just want to run away. And I'm like, okay, where are you going? Or I just don't want to wake up tomorrow. You know, there's a a spectrum of suicidality. I just want the suffering to stop. It would be great if I woke up tomorrow, like miracle question, and all of this was away versus I'm out of here this sucks, I'm done. When I first meet people, I'm very different. This is part of my punk rock mentality too, is I will tell people that if they don't want to be in physical form, that is their choice. However, I want to talk about it and talk about it and talk about it. So that's not something we would decide in one session that they could tap out. But from the very get-go, body autonomy is important to me. I'm never going to tell somebody to do anything with their body that they don't want to because it's not my body. When a person completes their life, that's the term I use for suicide. There'll be this debate about whose fault it is, and they should have done it or shouldn't have done it. What do you think about that? It's a bummer. Is there anything we could have done to to make it safer to stay in physical form? Probably not. Doesn't make it easy. If you saw the signs of a full-blown mental health condition, let's say schizophrenia, bipolar, what action would you have to take as a therapist? Well, I tell people we make an agreement. So you may or may not know that these contracts, these suicide contracts that were pretty popular about 15 years ago, they have no weight. So if someone signs a piece of paper saying, I'm not going to die, blah, 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 that doesn't mean anything. But what I have people do is look me in my eye. Can I see you next week? Or will you be here next week? Are you going to die between now and next week? And they're like, no. And they look around. I'm like, I want you to look me in my eye and tell me that I will see you next week at our appointment. They have to repeat it to me. That is a contract to me. That is a commitment that I know that they have time between today and the next time I see them that we can keep working and checking in to see how they feel. If they still feel this passionately, then we'll talk about, okay, what do you need to do to get ready? I have a patient who's been suicidal probably the entire time that I've seen him for three years, and he's still alive. It's a lot. It's a lot of work. And each time we get together, we just talk about, okay, well, how's this going on your list of stuff to do to prepare before dying? And how's all this stuff going on the things that you're doing to live? Would you say that suicidal ideation is one of the biggest signs of undiagnosed mental illness? Well, it's messy because you have substance abuse. If you have substance use and abuse in there, it may not only be mental illness. Although I guess some people would say that substance abuse is a mental illness, but it's messy. So if someone's talking about suicide, that tells me that they are not happy. They are deeply un-okay with being in this world. Like it is not a good place to be. And so I look for ways to make their environment better, if that's even possible. You mentioned running away. I've definitely had those thoughts. There's running away and there's suicidal ideation. I'm thinking about how punk bands go on tour. They're sleeping on people's floors to get back home. And okay, when's the next tour? That seems to me like a warning sign. If it works for them, okay. 
if it doesn't work for them and they're not having the life that they want to have, that's a problem. They're like, I am a gig person and this is my jam. I love being on tour. Okay. Someday that's going to run out. Their body's not going to be able to keep up with that. So when they're 70 going on tour, what's the bigger plan? And I would ask about that, right? Like, okay, what's the bigger plan? You know, we've got long-term goals, short-term goals. This is my life right now goals. Just what does that look like to you? And they may have never thought of that, or they might think about it all the time and it terrifies them or somewhere in between. You're right. Being on tour is a very effective way to run away, but you also may have bandmates. So what's happening with all of these people? Is everybody running away? It's unlikely that four people would be like fucked up and running. I think punk rock is a coping mechanism with all the chaos and volume, the fury of it. I've used it my whole life to escape and soothe myself. Mm -hmm. Do you see it as being a coping tool? Music is amazing because it hits the vibrations of the body and our body is mostly water. So music runs through the water and it can be soothing, but it also can be activating. But I think it varies for everybody. I know that there's like a couple of music notes that are good for all bodies, but if punk rock is your jam, then... I don't see that being problematic. As you know, the podcast and the book I'm working on are called Scream Therapy. What do you think about punk being a form of therapy? Yeah. And that's part of the value of loud music too. Like it dominates the brain. So you can't really think about all the other stuff. Like your limbic system is probably shut down with the other parts of your brain from the music and the vibration and the noise. And if you mosh at all, that's a whole nother component, that physicality of letting it out. It's a form of meditation. Pretty intense, but yeah. Remember the first time I looked up and I was accidentally in a mosh pit, which was my biggest fear because my body couldn't do it. My body's pretty fragile being sucked into a mosh pit was scary to me because I knew it would just crush me and I already had a ton of pain to begin with. So I'd always kind of stand in the back, you know, which is a pretty rad view to watch the swirling and the mixture and the jumping. But I was like, no, no, no. I was a back wall hugger because I didn't want to get sucked into that, but I still wanted to hear the music. I still wanted to witness the radness of all this. When you were younger and going to punk shows, did you know that this would be the kind of work that you would do? And did you recognize that people in the punk scene needed support? I had no idea I was going to be a therapist until like seven degree changes later. So at that point, I was going to be a photographer. I was an artist and regular dad telling me you'll never make money at that. And so I was like, well, maybe I should do this, do that. And I was in an art class in undergrad. took me 10 years to get my undergrad degree. And towards the end, I was doing a silk screen and someone said, my art therapist. And I was like, what did you just say? And it just, that was it. I was going to become an art therapist and it was just magic because I was already listening to everybody. Everybody, when I was younger, would call me like the mom. I always drove the car, the getaway car for the skaters. You know, I just was sweet and kind and checked on everybody. So I finally had this role of what I could do is show up and be an artist and a therapist. So I don't think when I was younger that I thought that I would become any helpful person. I knew I wasn't going to have children, so I knew I was going to be childless, but I didn't know how I was going to show up and help. But definitely in that world, thinking back, I remember a lot of suffering and I was suffering too. You know, I had my own dysfunction, but I would be like, let's just all go. 
let's just go over here. So we're like this motley crew of people who didn't really fit in, but we fit in together because we didn't fit in. That's like the glue of punk rock in my experience. When you say that you saw punk suffering, what do you mean? Abuse at home, not enough to eat, wanting to die, depression. And I don't know then if it was chemical or if it was circumstantial, which came first. I don't know. We have the predisposition for mental illness, and then we have the perfect recipe, the storm of things that make it activated. Kind of like what we know about schizophrenia. You can be like, do, 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 and then you have this incident that just, oh, you can't shake it, and then it turns on, and then you can't turn it back off. And there's thoughts like, oh, if only I didn't take that job, or only if I didn't do this thing or that thing. I'm not sure how I feel about that, because I've had the symptoms for as long as I can remember, and there's always going to be something to set it off. It was maybe the thing, but if it's not this, then the next thing. You can be exposed repeatedly and not have it, but you hit this wall and then you get to the other side and now you're fucked. You can have little micro exposures and they either add up to a big exposure or you have a big power exposure and now you're down for the count. You know, and mental illness can be a lot the same way. We kind of like like a car, you know, we've got these little dings, 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 but you just get sideswiped and then it's paralyzed or you just get hit one too many times and now the tire won't turn and it's stationary. It's not going anywhere. And the symptoms are exhibited in different ways until something happens and then it's full blown? Probably not manageable. I think people are pretty good at adapting to things, especially if it happens over time. They may not even notice. With the schizophrenia, when they have that event that turns it on, it's so like they were this and now they're that. You can't look away. But when you have these little micro changes and adaptions to mental illness, you may not notice and people around you may not notice. And then at one point you're just like, whoa, this is not manageable. Erratic behavior is something that's prominent in the punk scene. It's even celebrated. Yeah, because it's freeing, right? It's a place that you can go and be you. So you could be erratic. So I wonder if some of that's not authentic, too, if it's peer pressure or if this is what we do in this scene, we act erratically. Yeah, there's permission for folks to be who they are. It's a way to lose control in a contained environment. It's like when people leave religions and then they go and they're, what? and they act crazy, crazy. Then they kind of settle down in the middle. If we let people have that experience and they do the work, they'll probably settle in the middle. But if you have mental illness that locks in over here, they can't come back to the middle. And especially if no one has the, the support to say, hey, you're just like kind of going off the rails here. This is what I've done in my experience. Or let's get you in to see Dr. B. I love her. She's amazing. We do so much good stuff together. You know, but if you're just hanging out over here and everybody's like, whoa, that guy's lost their mind. And that's the great thing about the punk scene is it's a scene. We can take care of people. Anytime there's a scene of any kind, even if it's vegetarianism, we can have a community and be like, hey, buddy, you're going off the rails. Let's talk or let's go to lunch. I've noticed these different things about you. How you doing? That off the rails behavior you're talking about, it's celebrated in the punk scene. So it's hard to tell between being in a dark punk venue where bodies are flying all over the place versus walking down the street and seeing someone exhibiting that same behavior. Mm-hmm. And like, how is that person balancing themselves? So the person that's acting 
nuts at night that shows and just letting their hair down and getting crazy. What are they doing during the day? Are they going to work? Where do they work? You know, what are they eating? You know, are they going outside? Or are they just sleeping all day until they go to the next show? We know physically that that's not good for the body. The body needs fuel, the food, serotonin. It needs a lot of things. And so if someone's not balancing that, they will get sick, whatever sick looks like. For me, if someone was like seeing me and they were in a punk band, I'd be like, okay, well, what do you do when you're not performing or you're not on tour? Same stuff I tell my other patients. What are you eating? How are you moving your ass? Are you brushing your teeth? What are you wearing? I wear pajamas all day. It's the same treatment, whether you're in a punk rock band or you have 37 kids. Thanks for listening to the latest episode of Scream Therapy. I'm coming to you from Powell River, a small coastal town in British Columbia, Canada, on the traditional territory of the Klohomin Nation. Doing this podcast and talking to other folks living with mental health challenges has been a huge part of my journey. It means the world to me that you're out there listening. You can sign up for my newsletter and find more episodes at ScreamTherapyHQ.com. That's ScreamTherapyHQ.com. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Let's talk punk and mental health. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, take care and be well. Yeah.